Hi, true crime fans. You're tuning into Coffee, Murder, and Mystery, a true crime podcast where we discuss murder, mystery, and the supernatural. Don't forget to hit subscribe. Welcome back. I'm your host, Melissa Lancaster. And this case is a bit different than the others I've done. I was honestly just watching TikTok and at Beautifully Blended Fam had done a TikTok on this and I couldn't help but look it up and I got sucked in. This is a historic case about child abuse. Some say, actually a lot of sources say that this is the first documented case of child abuse in the U.S., But I've seen some people, some historians that beg to differ on that. But regardless, it is the case of child abuse that changed the policies in the United States. And it's so interesting. One thing, though, that I do feel the need to tell you about is there are a lot of people with the same names. This is the 1800s. Everyone was named Mary or Francis. I did do my best to differentiate between everyone. What better place to start than the beginning? Francis Connor and Thomas Wilson had both immigrated to the United States. Francis had come from England and Tom from Ireland. The couple met at the St. Nicholas Hotel where they worked at the time. Franny worked in laundry and Tom shucking oysters. The couple fell madly in love and they married in 1862. And Franny got pregnant, but before she gave birth in 1864, Franny's husband Tom was drafted into the 69th New York, a regiment of the Irish Brigade. While Tom was away at war, Franny gave birth to the couple's beautiful baby girl, who she would name Mary Ellen. But unfortunately, Mary Ellen Wilson would never get to meet her father. He would never make it home from the war. Mary's mother, Franny, was devastated. She had been working hard at the hotel while her husband was away, and she was starting to get really stretched thin. Not only was she waiting for her husband's return because she loved him, but with a newborn, she needed his help. Franny could not keep their home afloat and care for little Mary all by herself. She found a woman a few neighborhoods away that could help. The woman, Martha Score, ran a boarding house for children. Franny was able to pay Martha $2 a week to care for little Mary Ellen. Franny would visit, but it was still a struggle. And Franny wasn't only struggling financially. She was also grieving. And not only had she just lost her husband... But her close family was still back in England. Franny was alone. Franny slowly started struggling more and more, visiting little Mary Ellen less and less. And even though she couldn't afford it, she took up drinking. Franny eventually lost her job. Feeling desperate and lonely, she married a man who also had an alcohol problem. She may not have realized this at the time, but marriage would have stopped her survivor's benefits. And Martha, the woman that was left in charge of little Mary Ellen, was collecting those benefits with Franny's permission 
in order to pay for the childcare for Mary Ellen. This left Martha in a tough spot. She could return Mary Ellen to her mother, who had developed an alcohol problem, in hope that the now 18-month-old child received the care she deserved, or she could lie to Franny and tell her that the child passed away from a sickness. And I mean, there were there were sicknesses that went around at this time. There were This was the 1800s. They were everywhere. That was definitely feasible. And then take the child, Mary Ellen, to the Department of Public Charities, who would place her in an orphanage. Now, this is really unfortunate. This is the 1800s. There's no help for Franny. I mean, today, even though I would say the programs that we have are oftentimes broken, there's therapy, right? There's help for alcohol problems, you know, grief, things like that. She could have gotten help with child care. Then there was none of that. And she's just a grieving mother alone with no family around her and basically no help. And this is hard for Martha. She trusted the system when she didn't trust Franny. Mary Ellen was placed in an orphanage on Blackwell Island. And this was the program that the state provided. This wasn't just an orphanage. There were areas for many types of people in need here. Children, adults, people with alcohol problems. I think that this island was basically where they put everyone with a problem. A problem with this is that these facilities, and this one in particular, often have overcrowding issues, and this one did have an overcrowding issues. And I mentioned the sickness. There's all these sicknesses going around, and they're highly contagious. This is the 1800s. Nobody's sanitizing anything. They don't even know how. So tuberculosis, consumption, Cholera are all problems, but they're definitely worse in an overcrowded facility. There was a 70% death rate at one time in this facility. Tom and Mary McCormick, who lived locally, had experienced loss of their own. The couple had three children, and all of them had been lost to sickness. And there's some speculation that Mary may not have minded too much that her children were gone, but Tom definitely did. So Tom walked into the local orphanage on Blackwell Island, and I don't think anybody knows 100% what occurred that day, but it was definitely shady. It seems like he basically paid the man running the orphanage off to take home Mary Ellen, who was still under two years old at the time. I read in an old newspaper that Tom's ex-wife had the same last name as Mary Ellen's mother. It seems that he used this, the common name Wilson, to claim that he was her biological father to cut down on paperwork and time spent. The head of the orphanage either knew that he was doing this and also wanted to cut down on the paperwork, or... They just didn't check. They were basically just happy to have a child taken off of their hands. So many adults failed this poor child, poor Mary Ellen. First, her poor broken mother. Then her caregiver, Martha, made the wrong decision. 
And then the head of the orphanage just let this person take this little girl home. And that's how Tom and Mary McCormick became Mary Ellen's legal guardians. And Tom's wife, Mary, was not thrilled. Actually, that's a huge understatement. Mary McCormick hated poor little Mary Ellen. Tom did basically tell his wife that she was the product of of an affair because she was only two and he had been married to his wife much longer than two years because Mary Ellen was only two years old. Unfortunately, not even six months after the couple adopted Mary Ellen, Tom passed away. This left her alone with Mary McCormick. I mean, she did remarry, so they weren't technically alone, but Mary McCormick is now her parent. She remarried a man named Francis Connolly. Now she's Mary Connolly. Together they moved into an apartment on West 41st Street. Neighbors started to notice the way Mary treated little Mary Ellen, but there really was nothing that they could do. Parents disciplined their children how they saw fit in those days. But this seemed excessive, and it was honestly horrific, and it made people want to do something. A woman named Edda Wheeler, who was working as a missionary for St. Luke's Mission, was assigned to the area to help members of the church in need. She went into the building to help care for an elderly neighbor, and other neighbors approached Edda and told her what they thought about the situation with Mary Ellen. Etta started paying attention, and she noticed the strange things about the way Mary cared for Mary Ellen. The girl was never dressed for winter temperatures. She didn't have any shoes. She didn't have changes of clothing. She had bruises. She was skinny, and if she wasn't working, she was confined to her room. She seemed scared to speak to Etta, which may have had something to do with the twisted cowhide whip that always seemed to be near Mary Ellen. But in those days, if you expressed concern about the way somebody was treating their child, you were told to mind your own business. And Mary would tell them that little Mary Ellen is a devil. Etta seeked help for Mary Ellen, and although there were laws, nobody wanted to act on them. It wasn't really something that was enforced. She had trouble getting help. But luckily, there was someone willing to help. Henry Berg had founded the ASPCA. He had worked hard to get animal cruelty laws in place. She got in touch with him and asked for his help. And he was kind enough to look into the situation, speaking with neighbors and getting statements from them. He was able to change the minds of the authorities and the prosecutors. An investigation into the abuse of Mary Ellen showed regular and severe beatings, insufficient food, she was forced to sleep on the floor, she was often locked in a closet, she didn't have any changes of clothing or cold weather clothing, she had no shoes, she was forbidden to go outside except for at night, which she was required to stay in the yard. I'm going to read you Mary's statement, and this is from the Herald and Torch Light newspaper from Wednesday, April 29th, 1874. 
Little Mary Ellen said, I don't know how old I am. My mother and father are both dead. I have no recollection of a time when I did not live with the Connollys. I call Miss Connolly Mama. I have never had but one pair of shoes, but can't recollect when that was. I have had no shoes or stockings on this winter. I have never been allowed to go out of the rooms where the Connollys live except in the nighttime, and then only in the yard. I have never had on a particle of flannel. My bed at night is only a piece of carpet stretched on the floor underneath a window, and I sleep in my little undergarment with a quilt over me. I am never allowed to play with any children or have company whatever. Mama has been in the habit of whipping and beating me almost every day. She used to whip me with a twisted whip, a rawhide. The whip always left black and blue marks on my body. I have now on my head two black and blue marks, which were made by Mama with the whip and a cut on the left side of my forehead, which was made by a pair of scissors in Mama's hand. She struck me with the scissors and cut me. I have no recollection of ever having been kissed and have never been kissed by Mama. I have never been taken on my Mama's lap or petted. I never dared speak to anybody because if I did, I would get whipped. I never have had, to my recollection, any more clothing than I have on at the present, a calico dress and skirt. I have seen stockings and other clothes in our room, but I am not allowed to put them on. Whenever Mama went out, I was locked up in the bedroom. A pair of scissors with which Mama struck me are those now shown me. I don't know for what I was whipped. Mama never said anything to me when she whipped me. I do not want to go back to live with Mama because she beats me so. I have no recollection of ever being in the street in my life. Imagine hearing that out of an 8 to 10 year old's mouth. That is absolutely heartbreaking. Neighbors testified on her behalf and the investigators testified regarding the condition that Mary Ellen was found in. Because over the course of this trial, her wounds healed and the cut on her face healed. She looked like a totally different child with clean clothes on and expensive things on because this got so much attention and the ASPCA started helping to take care of her. Mary Connolly was found guilty of felonious assault. Some people wanted the jury to convict the woman of assault with intent to do great bodily harm, but there was some debate over the legality of that charge. After the jury came back with their verdict, the judge stated that if they would have chosen the harsher charge, he would have given Mary Connolly the maximum sentence allowed. He wanted to make an example of this. Mary Connolly only served one year. Some sources did state that it was one year in the penitentiary with hard labor, and I hope that it was, and I hope that the labor was very hard. This case is really important because it inspired change. This sweet little girl's testimony got everyone's attention. There were tons of reporters in the courtroom following this story. This was the case that inspired the New York Society for the Prevention of Cruelty Against Children. 
the beginning of the laws that we still practice today. Many people wrote letters offering to give Mary Ellen a home. Her grandparents in England even got wind of this and stated that they would love to take her in, but they did admit that they didn't have a lot of means to transport her or to take care of her, but they would still take her in. Ultimately, Mary Ellen was temporarily placed in a home, and ultimately it was decided to place Mary Ellen with the family of her savior, Etta Wheeler, the missionary that was able to help Mary Ellen out of her situation. She went to live with Etta's mother on a farm until her passing when she went to live with Etta's sister, who was local to the mother and also had a farm. Mary Ellen grew up seemingly happy with her new family. Mary Ellen married Louis Schutt, who had two children from a previous marriage, and the couple had two more together. They also went on to foster a child as well. Mary Ellen was known to be a kind and gentle mother, spanking her children sparingly. In a happy ending to a horrible story, Mary Ellen lived surrounded by those who loved her until the age of 92. I did read a book for this. It's called Out of the Darkness, the story of Mary Ellen Wilson. It was written by Eric A. Shellman and Stephen Lazaritz. It was so good. Although the book is very factual, they did creatively create conversation and humanize them. It was so good. So it reads like a novel not like a documentary. It's very interesting. It held my interest. They did tons of research for it and even had contact with Mary Ellen's descendants. It's definitely worth a read. I hope you guys enjoyed our episode. We're working really hard to expand our listener base. So if you guys could please go give us a five-star rating, we would really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and remember, evil people are everywhere. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Coffee, Murder, and Mystery. You can find us on the web at www.coffeemurderandmystery.com. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we also have a YouTube channel. All references for today's podcast are available in our show notes. If you enjoyed our show, please consider giving us an Apple Podcast five-star rating, sharing our show with your friends, and leaving a review. This helps us by allowing more people to find our show. If you would like to support our show with a financial contribution, please consider joining our Patreon. Joining our Patreon at the $5 level will give you a bonus episode on the second week of the month, as well as a second bonus episode on the fourth week of the month. Or go to buymeacoffee.com for a one-time contribution. We appreciate all of our listeners. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. Thank you so much for listening. The information provided in this podcast is solely of our opinion and based upon research that we have conducted via the internet. If you feel that we have represented something inaccurately or unfairly, you can send us an email at coffeemurdermystery at gmail.com. Thanks for your support.